This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, above the drooping and solitary, and ghosts are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself, and about the craft, the culture, and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 213 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we have a tale of uh, the wild witch of Slavic folklore. This is a story of Baba Yaga. But first, a very big welcome to any new and returning listeners. If you're a new listener, this episode is a bit of a departure. Every three weeks right now, we do a story from world folklore, alternating between Irish folklore and Irish mythology. But if you enjoy this episode, why not head right back through the years, or maybe even as far back as episode one over four years ago, and see what we've been building up to over the journey of Irish folklore and mythology with a smattering of other folklores and mythologies and legends from around the world as well. And if you're a returning listener, you know all this, and thank you so much for your continued support. All the usual ways you can support the podcast, follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard, share this episode on your stories or share this with your friends continue to grow the podcast you can also buy my book garden sea a neomyth of home in paperback or in kindle version from amazon we can ship the paperback all around the world all of the links to these and beyond including the sources for the stories are always in the show notes below this episode and of course you can join headstuff plus at headstuffpodcast.com where for as little as five euro a month, although you can gain more if you want, you can pay more if you want, you can support the podcast and gain bonus access to Fireside and to all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. It's good to be recording with you all again today. Uh, I'm coming to you from my home studio in Wicklow, still settling back into Ireland over the last few weeks. Um, I'm happy that the podcast is coming out every week again because uh, there was a few weeks where there was uh, a little bit of delay um, as I was over touring around America. Um, I'm still now, I found myself diving right back into work over here, playing a lot of Irish music around town, back giving uh, literary tours around the town and also finishing up my novel um, while also deciding like what my... Next step will be, I'll certainly hopefully be in Ireland uh, for most of the summer, um, at least until the autumn, but I'm still figuring out kind of where I'm going to live and all of that, and it's been a challenging, challenging few months, uh, but slowly but surely kind of getting through that and figuring everything out, Um, but um, I still have not yet, unfortunately, got to the stage of um, getting the podcast out every Wednesday again. This one is coming out a few days late again. 
But rest assured, I will get back to the regular rhythm of Fireside, having it out every Wednesday morning soon. This actually, yeah, there was the reason this episode is a bit late is actually because I ended up changing the story at the last minute. Folks who listened to last week's episode said that I was thinking that I was going to do a tale from the Arabian Nights, the A Thousand and One Nights, as they're known as, uh, the great collection of Arabic folklore, um, which had been something I'd wanted to sample a tale from for a long time, as along with the Grim Tales, it is the other great epic collection of folklore that is certainly known in the Western world. Um, And it proved to be a slight more challenge there, um, the Thousand and One Nights is structured, as the title says, as a, as the new bride of a king who has vowed that he will sentence his wife to death the day after the wedding. And this one wife he marries, Shahrazad, um, convinces him to let her live by telling him a story at night. And she always finishes one story and starts the next one before the evening ends so that the king has to wait. And this goes on for a thousand and one nights. And so this is where many, many of the, the famous tales that that we would know over here uh, from the Arabic world uh, have come from. Um, most famously, of course, we've got tales like Ali Baba and the Forty Thieves, the tale of Aladdin and the Magic Lamp and of Sinbad the Sailor. But in my research for it, I discovered that all three of those tales were actually later additions to it, and so are not really considered um, original tales of the A Thousand and One Nights. So that made me not want to do any of those. And I was looking at a story called The Fisherman and the Genie, which is a great tale, but so is the structure and the framing device of The A Thousand and One Nights, that many of the tales have tales within tales. And it makes them quite long, and it looks like it takes a different tack to adapt. I didn't want to remove that, but it was looking like it was going to be too long for one episode, and I'm trying where possible not to split things as much right now, unless it was going to be a, a larger story that would um, carry across, that would have a beginning, a middle, and end to each part of it. So after trying to adapt that for a while, um, I changed tack and decided that there was too much for right now. And I changed that to another story from a different folklore that uh, that I had wanted to look at. And it was a character that came up and she was actually going to be the character I did in three weeks time at the next World Tale juncture. Um, but she ended up being the story for this week. And I'm delighted she was because this is an absolutely wonderful character that, again, I'd wanted to adapt for some time. And she had gone from my mind and when she came back in I just knew this was it and this is of course the title of this episode this is Baba Yaga who is the wild witch of Slavic mythology so of Eastern Europe and Russian folklore and I first discovered Baba Yaga in a video game strangely enough a few years ago over COVID called Yaga um, which was a role-playing folktale so, of course, there's naturally been nothing that was more up my street. I don't play many video games anymore. Uh, I don't have a console or anything. But I had an iPad at the time, and it was on the Apple Arcade over COVID. Um, and anybody who's a fan of this podcast, I think, would certainly enjoy that. It, it is, it, The game is constructed in a beautiful 2D cartoon style and has many different paths that you can take actions have different consequences you can be the hero you can be a villain and it really is like living a folktale 
And so I would recommend it to any fans, any gaming fans of this podcast to check out the game Yaga. Um, but that is where I first discovered this this incredible character, this Slavic witch. And we will, of course, chat more about her afterwards, but we'll get down to the tale now. This is the tale of Baba Yaga, the wild witch on Fireside. Baba Yaga. Once upon a time, in a deep, dark forest, there lived a husband and wife who had twin babies, one boy and one girl. The family were poor, but they were happy. Sadly, a fever came upon the mother, and she soon died. The father mourned for his beloved wife, and years went by. But eventually, the remaining family grew destitute, and the father needed to work more and more to keep the family afloat. The children needed someone to look after them at home, and so the father remarried. The father hoped that his new bride would care for his children, but the stepmother grew bitter and jealous of the love her husband had for his own brood. She wanted children of her own, but the father refused, saying he feared the pain of losing another wife and once again leaving his children motherless and alone. The wickedness festered in the stepmother's heart, And once that pain has taken hold, it is much harder to release. The stepmother became resolute to get rid of the children entirely, but she knew she could not do the deed herself. It would raise too much suspicion. So one day, stepmother said to the twins, Children, go into the forest and visit my old grandmother. She is in need of company and help living as she does, alone in the dark forest. The twins were afraid to go out alone, but they also feared the wrath of their stern new mother. And so, into the dark forest they went. Instead of going to the stepmother's granny's house directly, a woman they had never met, at a place they had never been, the children instead found their way to their own grandmother's hut. This grandmother was kind and warm-hearted. When the children told her of what the stepmother had told them to do, the old woman began to cry. Oh, my darlings, I am so sorry. You have been sent to Baba Yaga, the wild witch of the woods. They say she is older than the trees, more bone than human. She lives in a house that walks on its own legs, and she rides around in a mortar which she steers with a pestle. She can be evil, but she also aids travelers. I do not have the power to save you from the witch, but I can give you this advice. Be obedient to her, and always be kind to those around you, and you may escape Baba Yaga's clutches alive. The kind grandmother gave the children ham and bread and cookies to take with them, 
and sent the twins back into the woods to face the wild witch. How do you find a house that moves? The children aimlessly wandered, not even really knowing what they were looking for. But soon a hut appeared, a hut unlike any the children had seen before. It seemed to be resting on legs, not stilts, but chicken's legs. And on top of the roof was not a weather vane, but an actual rooster's head. The entire house breathed and creaked as if alive, but the legs that carried it were still, and no door appeared. The little girl called out, House! Reveal your door to us. The hut obeyed, and the chicken legs flexed their clawed toes, stood up and turned around, revealing the entrance. The twins approached and knocked on the thick, heavy, creaking door. Baba Yaga, the boy called in fright, we are your grandchildren and have come to visit. I can smell you, came the voice of the witch from the other side. The front door slowly, stiffly creaked open, and on the other side was a frightful apparition. A wrinkly, ancient woman with long, white, matted hair and teeth like broken glass. This was Baba Yaga. I am not opposed to keeping children, said the witch, but you must do as I say whenever I say it, or else I will eat you. The witch gave a cackle that witches are famous for. Baba Yaga ordered the girl to weave thread and for the boy to fill her bath with water. But the girl had never trained at a spinning wheel and the only receptacle the boy was given to fetch water was a sieve. Baba Yaga left for the day, looking forward to having children for dinner. The girl's hands ached and bled at the spinning wheel, and she began to cry. A mischief of mice appeared. Why do you cry, child? asked the mice. The girl replied, Baba Yaga is going to eat me if I do not weave this thread, but I do not know how. The mice said, If you give us treats, we will help you. The girl remembered her own grandmother's advice and gave some cookies from her bag to the mice, which they gleefully devoured. Thank you, said the critters. We will help you weave the thread. Our tiny nimble hands are perfect for such a task but the one who will help you escape is the cat. On the other side of the hut, the little boy was despairing that no matter how many times he filled the sieve, it would not hold any water. But a flock of tiny birds appeared to the boy and said, Do you need some help? Yes, I do. I do not have much to offer you in return, but I do have some bread that I could crush into crumbs for you. That would be delightful, said the birds. The boy obliged and mashed up the bread his grandmother had given him. The birds then said, Clay and spit, and flew off. 
The boy took the hint and filled the sieve with mud from the river and with his own spit filled out the holes in the sieve. He then carried water up to the hut and trip by trip, drop by drop, filled up the bath. When both tasks were complete, the twins found Baba Yaga's black cat sprawled on the mat. The children offered the cat some delicious ham, which the cat devoured as if she had never eaten before. Do you know how to get out of here? The children asked the cat. It will not be easy, said the feline. If you run, Baba Yaga will chase you. Not only can her house walk, but she herself is fast for such an old woman. But take this towel and this comb. If the witch pursues you, throw the towel. And if she continues to do so, throw the comb. That's all I can tell you. Baba Yaga soon returned to the hut and was half delighted and half disgusted that her demands had in fact been met. You shall live for the night, children, said the old witch, but tomorrow I will have even greater challenges for you, and tomorrow night I may eat you yet. The children did not get much sleep that night, both from fear and from the uncomfortable and cold straw beds they had to sleep on. The next morning, Baba Yaga said, Today all this linen must be woven, and you must chop down a great tree and turn it into firewood. Do this by sunset, and you may live another day. The children did not waste any time and ran from the witch. The front door was stiff and hard to open, so the boy used oil on its hinges and the door swung open. When the twins ran, Baba Yaga sent her hounds after them, but the children threw the remaining cookies to the dogs, which distracted and halted them. Next the children came to an old dead birch tree, which scratched them as they tried to move through it. But the girl tied the ribbon from her hair around the tree. Baba Yaga was furious. Cat, she said, how did the children escape? I have always been loyal to you, mistress, said the cat. But you have never even given me a morsel to eat. Those children gave me delicious ham. Door, cried Baba Yaga. Why did you open for the children? You have always been hard and rough on me, said the door, always pushing and slamming. But those kind children oiled me, and now I swing on my hinges with ease. I feel like a door in a brand new home. Hounds, said the witch, why did you not pursue the twins? You are always ordering us around, said the dogs, but those children gave us treats. Tree, said Baba Yaga, why did you not claw the eyes from those brats? The tree said, You have never watered or trimmed me, but those children gave me a ribbon, and now I am a pretty tree. The witch realized no one was going to help her. She would have to catch the children herself.
The witch climbed aboard her great ceramic mortar and pestle and gave chase. When the twins saw the witch approach from behind them, they did as the cat had suggested and threw the towel. The towel became a great river and stalled the witch, but Baba Yaga's great mortar was able to fly above it. But then the children threw the comb, which blossomed and erupted into a thick, dense forest. The witch charged forward, but her dress and hair got tangled and caught in the thorns and briars and branches. She was pulled off her flying dish and trapped in the trees. Baba Yaga was defeated, and the children were safe. The twins returned home to their father. They were relieved, but shaken and crying. The father hugged his children. Oh, my darlings, I feared I would never see you again. Where have you been? The twins told him what had happened. The father was furious with his new wife. Witch, he said. I am no witch, said the stepmother. My grandmother, maybe, but I am not. I know who you are, said the father. I, too, grew up in this forest, and now I banish you back to it. The father knew more of Baba Yaga, the wild witch of the forest. It was said Baba Yaga was not one witch, but three. Three sisters, all different ages and temperaments, but all Baba Yaga. It seemed the stepmother, the kind grandmother, and the old crone in the woods were all the same. The three forms of Baba Yaga, interfering with and terrifying the mortal world, and constantly bickering with and trying to one-up each other. The End This is how it's always been. Double Love is a podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. Join me, Anna Carey. And me, Karen Moynihan. As we revisit one of the maddest series of books ever written, or ghostwritten. If you ever read about Elizabeth and Jessica, the perfect blonde Wakefield twins, then you might enjoy listening to us absolutely tearing them to shreds. Affectionately, of course. Of course. And even if you didn't, there's still plenty of drama, kidnapping, stolen boyfriends and school dances to entertain you. Find us on the Headstuff Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. And there we have a wonderful tale of Baba Yaga on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Yes, a real... A real perfect type, style and length of tale. This is so well contained, so much information and tight story beats. And to get it right out of the gate, it almost feels, well, it almost, it it does feel exactly like a grim fairy tale. It feels very Germanic, most of all, like, of course, Hansel and Gretel, the other great famous tale of children being sent out into the woods, but where... Hansel and Gretel are abandoned by their father and because he cannot no longer care for them, at least in uh, some versions of it, and they stumble upon this witch's candy house and it's a tale of 
them overcoming their own greed of eating the house. Beg your pardon. I'm still recording. Yeah, sorry, I pulled the recorder down. That's what happens when I spin on my chair. Um, it is also, Hansel and Gretel is also a tale of them overcoming the sense of greed for eating the house and outsmarting the witch on their own by pushing her into the oven and escaping. Whereas in this tale of Baba Yaga, the children are intentionally sent away. We have the same trope that you see in grim fairy tales a lot of the stepmother, which of course comes from that trope comes from, uh, I've explained this probably a, a good while ago on Fireside, but the, the trope of the wicked stepmother came from the very, very high mortality rate in the 19th century when a lot of these tales were most popular. A huge amount of women died in childbirth, and so a huge amount of children grew up with stepmothers. So it was very common at the time, and this gave rise to the idea of a stepmother not being able to replace the original birth mother, and that is where the idea of the wicked and evil stepmother came from, which was really only exacerbated then by Disney in the 20th century, because in the grim tales, at least, there is surprisingly sometimes a bit more complexity or grayness to how wicked these various stepmothers are, and they are capable of being benevolent as well. But the concept of what we would call like the wicked stepmother is something very much a contemporary thing associated with Disney and with Panto as well, at least in the UK and Ireland, where those forms of entertainment are very popular. Um, but with Baba Yaga, we first of all have this description of her. I adapt this from two versions of this tale. The main version I'll put in the link in the description below, uh, an online version of it. Um but it was the second detail, because I knew these these facts about Baba Yaga. I knew about her house on chicken legs, and I also knew about her being three women. And I was very intrigued in her being a trinity, because that made it feel very, very Celtic, because Celtic mythology is very trinity goddess-based, whether it's Erufola and Banba, the sovereignty goddesses, the three forms of the Morrigan, the three forms of Bridget. It's very much a culture of trinities, um, which is, again, why the concept of the Christian trinity of the Father, Ghost, and the Holy Spirit was such an easy sell to the Celts in the 5th century because Celtic culture was so familiar with the idea of three gods in one. So that was really the first thing that drew me to Baba Yaga, uh, the concept of three in one. And also the idea of these three old crones felt very ancient Greek as well, like the three fates and... So I wanted to incorporate the Trinity aspect of her. But in the first version of this story, I found that wasn't brought into it. They were very much these three separate women. But then when I was reading other tales about Baba Yaga, um, I found another version of this story that did make reference to the fact that the stepmother, the kind grandmother, and Baba Yaga in the woods were all Baba Yaga. And I loved that because you've got these three prominent female characters in it and they were all kind of pawning each other off on each other so you have the stepmother who wants to kill the children but doesn't want to do the dirty deed herself you have the kind grandmother who wants to save them but also says she's powerless to so she probably could save them but still would rather let them fend for themselves and so merely gives them this advice and the moral to this tale which is of course to be 
kind to others and they will be kind to you. And then we have the the witch herself. But this also does track with other stories of Baba Yaga because it is said that the there is one of them, the youngest of them, is the is the children eater. So there is only one of them that does tend to devour children because she's a very grey figure again in Slavic folklore. She can be very beneficial and very heroic or she can be evil and maniacal. And I liked the idea of the three representations of her casting this this shadow on whether she's good or bad because we get the morally ambiguous, or perhaps not morally ambiguous, but certainly not murderous stepmother, maybe sociopathic, but not a psychopathic stepmother, the kind grandmother who f- gives them the tools and the accoutrements to defeat the witch and the more cartoon character or more uh, two-dimensional wicked witch character and trope that we have in Baba Yaga herself in the woods. But I was delighted that we did get the the house on, st- on chicken legs uh, because that is just such a wonderful image. And in Yaga, uh, the, the game that I referenced before, um, which is about a blacksmith who loses his hand and is doing these, uh, these tasks for the czar um, and Baba Yaga herself is narrating and watching the actions of Ivan, this blacksmith. And she knows that the actions he's performing for the czar are going to undo the magic of the world. So Baba Yaga tries to guide Ivan, the blacksmith, to make the right choices and she will frequently appear to him and you appear in her home in the game and her home does walk on these chicken legs and appears throughout the world so that was very important to me to include that as well which it is here and then we get all of this this very again grim grim like tasks in the house of the animals speaking to the children and what i think is interesting about this is the grandmother tells the children to be kind to people they don't have it necessarily automatically in their nature. And even when they get to the house and the mice are the first people to, first people, first characters to approach the children, they ask for something in return. And the birds offer and this the boy offers something in return. And so it's kind of a quid pro quo and not necessarily kindness, but it's more a deal to begin with. But and he, that includes with the cat as well. When the mice tell the children that the cat will help them escape, but when they do actually escape, they oil the door, they throw the cookies to the dogs, and in my favorite turn, they tie a ribbon on the tree. Those are the things that they did not have to do, except maybe the dogs to distract them. But I find it the tree most interestingly because all of these, all of these objects and animals are sentient and can speak and when Baba Yaga is asking all of her her servants and her dominions to um, why they did not save the chi- or stop the children they all say well it was because they were kind and it's the idea of the oiling the door the kindness to the door and the kindness even to the tree that the nature of kindness and the lesson of generosity has got into the children not just to save their lives and escape and that that is something that will stay with them and that while I tend to not adore tales with a very strong moral to them it obviously is a very nice moral and I like how it's explored and how it develops within this tale and so then at the tail end of it I added my in my own version I added this idea of the 
the father does throw the the stepmother out in the original tales um but she does have her own children they have more children together but i streamlined it by just having the stepmother be jealous of this person's children um this other mother this dead mother's children because i also didn't like the idea of the father casting out the stepmother with her children as well uh but i like the idea of the father of people growing up in this time knowing about these characters and knowing about these witches and demons and that the father would deduce from the stepmother having sent the children off to Baba Yaga that the stepmother herself was an incarnation of Baba Yaga. And then to tie it up, I of course referenced that the kind grandmother was an iteration of Baba Yaga as well. And to me it just tied it all together and makes it a really very, very lived in world that feels unique to its to its own culture but has that specificity that gives it a, a universality as well that i can see so much of celtic mythology and germanic and european folklore and even a little touch of grim and everything and those are those are the tales that make me really excited and make it feel like this is the right call to be doing these world tales every couple of weeks while we continue to explore explore irish and Celtic mythology because it just ties it all together and makes it informs each other and makes it a very lived in world and with that I will wrap things up but I hope you enjoyed this tale as always let me know your thoughts and queries and questions um, next week we will return to Irish mythology with another one of the rave scale one of the pre-tales to the thorn from Ulster mythology from the Ulster cycle of Irish mythology um, follow me over on Instagram buy my book Garden Sea at uh, on uh, paper in paperback or on Amazon and Kindle version where you can ship the paperback all around the world links are in the description below as is the source for this tale and the link for Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com I will see you all you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network a hub for the creative and the curious Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.